From the latest community news to informative, entertaining reads for travelers and the cannabis curious, just visit your local Black Press Media community newspaper website to sign up today. Welcome to PQ Beat, a podcast of the Parksville Qualicum Beach News. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. I'm Philip Wolf, editor of the PQB News and Vancouver Island Daily. The Oceanside Classical Concert Society is gearing up for its eighth year, presenting classical music concerts at Knox United Church in Parksville. This year, the OCCS will also welcome a new artistic director. Here to talk about his new role, we welcome Dr. Calvin Dick. Calvin, thanks for joining us today. It's a pleasure. Can you tell us a little bit about your background? When and where did you first develop a love for music? Yes, I grew up in Mission, and uh, one day a traveling salesman was going door-to-door selling accordions, and lo and behold, my parents bought me an accordion, and I took to it. A few years later, it started on violin, and the rest, as they say, is history. When I was 12, I had the chance to play on the stage at the Queen Elizabeth Theatre in Vancouver. At that point, I knew I wanted to be a musician. My parents weren't convinced, but that was this seminal moment that gave me this taste for performing. It's all been a real adventure since then. What was it like playing the accordion, and why did you not veer off into Weird Al Yankovic territory? Oh, I had a little 12-bass red accordion and uh, loved it. I actually studied accordion for for seven, eight years and then put it in the closet and, wow. and didn't admit to anyone that I played the accordion. <laughs> I was a bit embarrassed, actually. <laughs> and then about five years ago, I thought, I'll just list it. So I listed my accordion with the Vancouver Musicians Association. And uh, three weeks ago, I got a call from the Vancouver Symphony. And they said, we need you. Itzhak Perlman is, uh, the famous violinist, is performing with the symphony. And as an encore, he wants to include a tango called called, uh, Poruna Cabeza. And uh, it calls for an accordion. So there I was on stage playing with my hero, Itzhak Perlman. And so you never know when a talent that you were embarrassed about actually comes back and is useful in your life. You mentioned Itzhak Perlman. Who were some of the other musicians that you looked up to And did you like a variety of musical styles? Yeah, back in the 60s and 70s, we had those LPs and uh, we listened to classical music. We had these fun songs. I I remember a funny album, something about the giraffe is laughing. And we listened to that over and over until we were rolling on the store laughing. I looked up to Yo-Yo Ma and a number of great artists who just make you feel so intensely. I remember Heifetz and and various great violinists who, who just seemed to be especially gifted at communicating. And it was always my goal to make music communicate, to make people feel what was inside the music. I realized along the way that music has this power to move people, to make them feel very intensely. And I think that's the secret about the art of music, is this ability to move emotion. Along those lines, what is it about music that reaches just about everyone in some special way? Yeah, that's a really good question. And uh, from a physical point of view, it's hard to explain because it's just simply sound waves that affect our ears. And music is a combination of, of harmonies and rhythms and tonalities. Why is it that it moves the emotion, moves the heart? 
sometimes we talk about music as being a universal language that people even from different cultures and from different languages can be moved by the same piece of music and it's really hard to explain there is some indication that music takes us back to places and times in our past but uh, if you think about how to calm a child one of the favorite techniques is for a mother to sing to that child. It, it reminds me of Michael Conway Baker, the composer in North Vancouver. And he was approached by a woman from Richmond who had been estranged from her son. They hadn't spoken in 10 years. And this woman remembered that as a young boy, her son would be calmed by specific pitches and specific intervals. And so she asked Michael to compose a piece incorporating those same notes. And when the piece was complete, she arranged to have it recorded and she sent the recording to her son. And a week later, he called her and they started the process of reconciliation. And the title of that piece was Canticle for an Angel. For me, that's just an example of this power that music has to connect people and to heal relationships. What a great story. At what point did you realize that your love for music might become a career? As a teenager, I agreed with my dad that likely music was a poor choice. And so I actually enrolled in sciences at the university. <laughs> and, and that next summer, I was 19, and we took a trip down to California to Disneyland. And while we were there, we visited a university where a family friend was studying got a tour of the university and to run into the voice teacher who was very polite and said, oh, where are you from? And do any of you play an instrument? And I said, I play the violin. And turns out that the university had just started a student string quartet, but they needed a second violin. So she said, why don't you audition? And I said, oh, I'm here on vacation. I don't have my instrument. Oh, it's okay. So an hour later, I found myself playing an audition on a borrowed instrument. And they said, great, you're in. School starts tomorrow. Why don't you stay? <laughs> and my dad said, what about a scholarship? And they said, well, go across campus, fill out an application, come back in an hour, and we'll have an offer for you. So we did that, and they said, full tuition scholarship if you'll stay. And that was one of those chance meetings which just opened the door to the possibility of a music career. So I'm really thankful Dad took us to Disneyland. <laughs> you have a Doctor of Musical Arts from the University of Southern California in violin performance with minors in conducting yes. music education and music history. How important is that education to your journey as a whole? That's a really good question. And like most students, I was convinced all of these extra courses I had to take were not that useful because my plan was to have a career playing orchestral music. But as it turns out, I've had so many opportunities to use those skills. I've taught music history at the university. I've conducted choirs. I started a youth orchestra. All along, I really wasn't intending to be an educator, but I've ended up having many students, some of who are at universities across North America. And one of my students just got accepted to the Royal School of Music and Dance in Wales. But I look back and I realized that education is never wasted. It gives you so many possibilities of things you can do and it opens doors and that's been my experience do you ever stop learning 
you know what? You never do stop learning. And last night, one of my students suggested to me another solution where we were working on this Four Seasons of Buenos Aires by um, Piazzolla, a South American composer. And she suggested another solution to one of the techniques, which I said, hey, this is great. Let's do it. I'm constantly looking for new solutions, better ways to do this art. What's the best piece of music ever written? Oh, that, that's a hard question. <laughs> I like to say my favorite piece of music is the one that I'm currently working on. So that's one possible answer. The fact of it is that when I do a concert and people come up to me afterwards, everybody's different in their response. And for some, they like the first piece. For some, they like the last piece. And how can you make a judgment call that one piece is best? Yes, I might like this one, but the next person might like an entirely different piece. Just like in a rose garden, it's really unfair to say, well, the red rose is my favorite. That's the best one. Because for someone else, they love that pink one because it has this lovely scent. And, and it's the same with music and art that each piece speaks to us individually. Isn't that part of what makes it so special? Of course, yes, absolutely. We could take that in a number of different directions, but each person is so unique and so is art, and that's what makes the world such a colorful and interesting place. You're in your 23rd season as concertmaster for the Vancouver Island Symphony. Can you tell us a little yes. bit about what that entails and what it means to you? Yes, it's been a wonderful association, and I hadn't intended to be there so long, but it's really provided me with a number of wonderful opportunities. One of the one of the highlights is performing with other great musicians on stage, and we're in we're currently in a search for a new artistic director. And actually, October is the first candidate of three that we've chosen to appear and conduct the symphony. So we're looking forward to that. The Vancouver Island Symphony is what I would call a part-time symphony is we typically do about one show a month. As such, it's refreshing to get together with your colleagues. We don't get bored of each other in the same way that if we were performing every day together. Yeah, we're blessed to have a beautiful acoustic at the Port Theatre. We just this last week finished a six concert series and education series where we have every grade four student in the Nanaimo area coming to the symphony and really delighted that the school supports that initiative to give exposure to every kid in the Nanaimo School District an opportunity to hear the symphony. It's been a very positive association of challenges, of course, in, in, during COVID when we couldn't have an audience. We did some videos and live stream and very thankful to be back this season. You're also in demand as an adjudicator for music festivals across the country when there's no COVID, of course. How much talent do you see across Canada? It's really encouraging. I was just in Saskatoon in spring and saw some really outstanding musicians there. And it's very encouraging to realize that right across Canada, there are teachers and students and associations that are encouraging the arts. During COVID, of course, it was really quite challenging because the only way to do these festivals was on Zoom. And uh, I will say, while the technology is wonderful, it, there's this invisible wall. Being in the same room as a musician is part of the experience. When COVID hit and Zoom was presented, I was so delighted with this possibility. And then as time went on, I realized that it has its limitations and that there's nothing like 
being together and experiencing music together. Just a connection between people is so much better when you sit down and have coffee together or have dinner together. I was reading that businesses now are really encouraging employees to come back to work in person because there are connections and there are benefits to being in the same space together that you can't achieve through technology. I am a real advocate for in-person music making and in-person festivals. You're the director of the Abbotsford Youth Orchestra, and now, importantly for PQB residents, you'll be the new artistic director for the OCCS. How will you juggle wearing all those hats? Yes, I've had a 40-year career of juggling multiple hats, and in my basement, I have a collection of about 60 hats, actually. (laughs) But uh, that aside, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this new role as artistic director for the Oceanside Classical Concert Series. They have had a history of very well-attended concerts, and um, they bring in some really high-end talent. I'm real honored to bring my experience to helping them out with future artists for the coming seasons. They're very kind in that they understand that I've got concerts and students and tours and so on. We will be connecting on Zoom occasionally as well as in person. Oceanside has five concerts this year, starting with the Chang duo, a brother and sister team, Brian and Sylvie Chang, playing a cello and piano duo on October the 15th. We're looking forward to hosting Michael Kim, pianist on November 26th, and the Aurora Piano Trio, January 21st, and the Ad Mare Wind Quintet on March 6th, and finally, the Vancouver Island Symphony Ensemble performing a new arrangement of pictures at an exhibition on April 27th. I'm very pleased to be part of this eighth season for Oceanside. I'm looking forward to planning the ninth and tenth season for them coming up. For the folks listening, what's the best way to reach the OCCS? And what would you say to anyone out there to get them to take in some of the performances? The website is OceansideClassicalConcerts.ca, and you could find out about how to get tickets and so on. In the past, we've had sold out seasons. And so if you are interested, I'd encourage you to buy a season's pass so you get first dibs on the tickets. Concerts are held at Knox United Church, and it has limited season seating. I think it's 325 as a sold-out concert. So there are a few tickets still left, and I'd encourage people to get their season pass. Calvin, really enjoyed this. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for your time. That's this edition of PQ Beat, produced by the Parksville Qualicum Beach News. Thank you for joining us. If you have suggestions for topics or guests, we would like to hear from you. You'll find our contact information on our website, pqbnews.com. Searching for a new home? Make todayshomebc.com your online home base. With easy-to-search listings and connections to local realtors, everything you need is under one roof. Powered by Black Press Media, you can search hundreds of local listings all in one place. Access the top real estate professionals to help you find the perfect home today at todayshomebc.com.